It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Thursday. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my podcast partner, John Riley from the John Riley Project. We welcome you to our weekly podcast get-together. Can you believe the weather? I pulled out of my driveway in Rancho Bernardo. It was 115 in my driveway. In your driveway, it's 106. This is absolutely stunning. John, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, we're kind of battling the heat. You know, we're going to talk sports, and I know this heat's going to have an impact on the games this weekend, but... I mean, this is unbelievable. Um, you know, this is going to last, what, probably through Labor Day, and then hopefully we get a reprieve. I lived in Phoenix for seven years, and the hottest day I ever had was 118 degrees, and it was like a blast furnace. <laughs> this is like a blast furnace. Yes, hey, we is. got a ton of topics on the table. We're going to move a lot of information in your direction. But before we pick some of the big stories that we're going to talk about on our Thursday podcast, John, tell the fans about Fan Forum and how they can get involved and be part of our get-together. All right. So, yeah, we're going to be doing Fan Forum. We do that at the end of the podcast episode. You know, we're live streaming on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. If you're on the YouTube or Facebook platforms, you can type in your questions, your comments. You got a hot take you want to share. You want to get Hacksaw's opinion. Just type it in on YouTube or on Facebook. They'll appear on our screen and we'll field your questions and comments in the final segment of the podcast for the Fan Forum. All right. As I would say on radio, here's what's going on in the world of sports. Here's what Lee Hamilton thinks. John, we got a ton to talk about, and we need to start with Major League Baseball because that's where all the focus of attention in San Diego is going to be in the next 96 hours. Yeah, I mean, we're getting ready for a big weekend. I mean, the Padres have won, what, five of six. I'm feeling a little bit optimistic, but now they've got to roll into L.A., they got a big series against the Dodgers. Um, can they keep the hot streak going? They have piled up this hot streak against a lot of substandard teams. John, there's a lot of bad baseball in the major leagues. It's absolutely <laughs> staggering how many really bad teams there are. Uh, the Padres in Los Angeles have not done well. Uh, San Diego is 3-17 and against the Dodgers, dating back two years. If you recall, a couple of years ago, the Padres had the good first half of the season yeah. against L.A., and since that point in time, they are 3-17. and 17. In addition, at Dodger Stadium, 1-11. and 11. And that's unbelievable. Over I mean, the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, it almost defies the odds of probabilities, because you figure, in, in baseball, you know, you're going to win your fair share, you know, even if you're a, a weak team. But this is insane. It's like uh, someone's stacking the odds. The Padres go into Dodger Stadium with a rock-solid pitching staff led by Hugh Darvish. Padres go into Dodger Stadium with one guy hitting, and that guy is Manny Machado. Uh, I mean, he has weathered the bad ankle sprain. He has come back, has, has worked his way through a bad stretch, and he's pushed his batting average over 300. Now, that being said... Thank goodness there are the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks mm-hmm. and the Washington Nationals and the Miami Marlins on that Padres schedule. But now they're going to face a top pitching staff. They're going to face a red-hot Dodger hitting team, John. This is going to be an enormous challenge because the Padres have to get some other hits aside from Machado is contributing. You know, we can talk about Juan Soto, and he, he he's played pretty well since he's been here. But he's not hitting for the big average, and he's not hitting many home runs. He's getting a ton of walks. Tons, yeah. Because they're pitching around him. Right. The big issue is they're not driving him home. They're not driving anybody home. Pottery batting average with runners in scoring position has just been really abysmal. Oddly enough, Padres have a better batting average on the road than they do at home at Petco Park. That might be the only franchise in Major League Baseball that's like that. So we got the Padres, we got the Dodgers. Going to be a fascinating weekend series. It's not going to put the Padres in a pennant race, but 
if they can win a game or two at Dodger Stadium on this three-game weekend series, they're going to separate themselves from the team that's chasing them for the final wild-card spot, and that's Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And if they can win a couple at Dodger Stadium, it might propel them closer to the Phillies who have the second wild-card spot, although the Phillies are getting healthy and the Phillies are getting hot. So there's a lot here at play. Uh, I'm not going to say this is a showdown series. That That's ridiculous. But if they can put this together, it helps them. Now, if the Dodgers do what the Dodgers have been doing against him, John, <laughs> San Diego is at risk of falling out of this playoff race and falling out of the, that guaranteed wild card spot. And keep this in mind, they still got nine games against the Dodgers to be played ah. over the next four weeks. They've got this final series up mm-hmm. in L.A. Mm-hmm. they got two at Petco Park. So, so what do you think? I mean, it's a buzzsaw, right, Lee? I mean, they, this is going to be a tough series. But it's funny when you look at the standings. You're right. The um, the, the Brewers are behind, the, and, and they seem to be struggling to keep pace. The Phillies have come back a little bit. I think we're only like about a half a game behind the Phillies right now. But it's a, it's an interesting thing if you do the run the numbers. The if you, if we're the sixth seed potentially, if all goes according to plan we would be able to defer the Dodgers until the NLCS, right? But you don't want to, like, play for the number six spot. You want to get that five if you can so you have a cushion going in. One other note as it relates to the Padres, Fernando Tatis did not have the shoulder surgery on Tuesday. He had what appeared to be strep throat. Initially, there was concern it might be COVID-related, but it was not. Tatis is probably going to undergo that shoulder surgery next Tuesday, next Wednesday, or next Thursday, but he has been uh, in isolation because of a strep throat situation. Okay, let's go from San Diego. You got a comment about the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are, I mean, it, they're just a juggernaut. This team is loaded. It's. It seems like the San Diego Padres, we struggle when one guy isn't performing, the rest of the team has trouble stepping up. But the Dodgers, it's like next man up. I mean, the, the, their, their bench is so deep. They're they're invincible, and it's so hard for me to say that as a Padre fan and, and as a guy that was raised as a Giants fan. You know, I'm originally from the Bay Area, so the Dodgers winning like this is just unbelievable, but you've got to respect it. It's a damn good team. John, you hit the nail right on the head. We know about Mookie Betts, and we know about Freddie Freeman, and if neither one of them is connecting or they are banged up, here comes Chris Taylor. Here yeah, comes Justin exactly. Turner. Here comes a catcher that nobody in the country is talking about that's having an unbelievable statistical season in Will Smith. Yeah, unbelievable. And then occasionally there's a Cody Bellinger sighting with a home run. Right. I mean, it, it's phenomenal the guys that have stepped up that have gotten the Dodgers to where they are. The Dodgers have the best record in baseball. Think about that because... Everybody's talked about the Yankees and Aaron Judge and home run hitters and the New York Mets. The Dodgers have the best record in baseball. They're going to get home field advantage for all of October going into November. the Yankees have faded in the last month or two, right? They're still at the top of the division. But, uh, you know, it's amazing. Like if you say for the Dodgers, it's always some other guy. To me, as a fan, the the two guys that kill us is is Chris Taylor, who's like a number seven, number eight guy, but he always gets the clutch hit. And then... Justin uh, uh, Turner. Turner. Justin, the AMPM guy. And you forgot <laughs> yeah. the other guy, the other Turner, Trey Turner. Now, he's cooled off, mm-hmm. but my goodness, the first two-thirds of the season, he was hitting the 320s, 330s. I mean, this Dodger team is just loaded. And they're getting Kershaw back. Well, they'll get him back, and that's a start-by-start situation. Mm-hmm. Right? They have lost Walker Bueller for the year. They have just gotten Dustin May back. Dustin May is starting the Friday game at Dodger Stadium, and he was dazzling in his first start oh, back. He is. And Clayton Kershaw, obviously, is now back. Now, he's got issues with his back, his hip. He's been on the DL three times this season. They've, I think the, the, the amazing statistic to me, the Dodgers have had five of their top seven starters on the DL for extended periods of time. Incredible. The only two Dodger starters who have not been hurt are Julio Urias, the bright young lefty that won 20 games last season, mm-hmm. and the journeyman Tyler Anderson. <laughs> Tyler Anderson. And they've, and He's they, been good. They lost the other journeyman, Tony Gonsolin, who just went on the DL this week. He's had a phenomenal season. Uh, but, boy, the Dodgers have just had all these guys step up 
and get things done. Here's the Dodger record as as we do our podcast, 90 and 39. Think about that. The Dodgers have won 26 of their last 33. Oh, my God. Since Memorial Day, John, the Dodgers' record is 45 and 11. Since Memorial Day. (laughs) Jeez, that's crazy. And at home, as the Padres roll in there on Friday, Dodgers are 45 and 11 at Chavez Ravine. That's a phenomenal statistic. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, 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 and then they just, you know, they just keep reloading. I mean, so now it's going to be Dustin May. And I know, Grant, I'm a baseball fan, and I love watching Dustin May pitch. I mean, he gets up there with the big red hair. He's like carrot top. And he's got this two-seam fastball that will break like 8 to 12 inches at 102 miles an hour. I mean, this kid is unbelievable. So, you know, it'll be – I'm rooting for my Padres, but it'll be fun to watch Dustin May on the mound. I wish this was October. It wouldn't be 115 degrees out in my driveway. I wish it was October, John, because we'd be talking playoff baseball. Could you imagine the electricity in this community and the electricity in Los Angeles if the Dodgers and Padres were playing in the National League Championship Series with a chance to go to the Fall Classic, but that's that's down the road. <laughs> that's wishful thinking. Yeah. One other baseball note. This is kind of a unique story as it relates to major league players and minor league players, and a story has just kind of broken. Well, I mean, Tony Clark is an interesting guy. I mean, he's the, the players' union representative. He played for the Padres back in the day, right? He played at San Diego State back in the day. That's right, San Diego State, high too. High draft pick Detroit Tigers. But I, I saw your headline. I mean, they're, they're talking about unionizing the minor leagues and to me it's it's interesting because the major league players union is so powerful some call it the most powerful union in the entire economy and it's incredible that the players union for the major leagues is so strong yet there's no union at all for the minor leagues minor league baseball uh, has been adrift for a long period of time Uh, major league baseball was under enormous criticism congress did a hearing about what Major League Baseball was doing as it relates to running minor league baseball. And the information that was provided was horrific. Oh, yeah. That that Major League Baseball owned the rights to all these guys at at, at AAA, AA, single-A, rookie leagues, hardly paying them any money at all aside from the guy that might be a first-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. Players were living in horrible living conditions. Travel in minor league baseball is brutal. You play 144 Mm -hmm. games in the minor leagues in 148 days. You travel by bus. You travel by plane. There's Mm -hmm. hardly any off days at all. The conditions in minor league baseball were horrific. Major league baseball facing a massive lawsuit from a collection of minor league players, class action lawsuit, agreed to pour money into fund and help the minor league players. This year is the first year that the Padres and every other major league team pays for all the housing for all the minor league players, whether you're in El Paso in AAA or San Antonio in oh, AA or wow, yeah, Fort I mean Wayne it's about in, time, you know, exactly. Uh, but the salaries are still really poor, and there's a big issue that these guys, these young players, draft picks, free agents, the kids out of the Caribbean. They don't make enough money during a season to live. They have to hold off-season jobs while they're trying to train. Right. The average salary of the lowest minor leaguer is $4,500. Think about that for six months' work, $4,500 in the really? rookie league. Yes. I mean, that's like, uh, what, 750 800 bucks a month. I mean, that's nothing. Yeah. Now, baseball this year is trying to stand up with the Shield. Well, we're taking care of their housing now. Oh, come on. And food allowances. It's, it's, but you haven't done it for the last 55 years. <laughs> so the, the kids at the base of the farm system, Padres' lowest farm system team is Lake Elsinore. Mm-hmm. Those kids are making 4500 a month. Think about those kids trying to live in California on that kind of money. The top salary for AAA players, the guys that would be in the Pacific Coast League, is 15000 15000 You can't live on 15000 for a calendar year if you're a young player who's got a wife and a baby. So this is what's behind the union's decision to go forward. This week, they sent out a membership application to every minor league player asking them 
would you like to have a union to represent you? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, the Detroit Tigers control all those players under contract. Right. But the union would go in and would negotiate a base salary if you played in the Class A California League. And they'd negotiate increased salaries in AA into AAA. Mm-hmm. They would uh, increase working condition salaries, whether it's housing stipends or whether it's food or whether it's pay these guys in spring training. The minor league players are not being paid in spring training. They're, really? Yeah. They're, they're housed in a team hotel in mm-hmm. Peoria, mm-hmm. but they are not paid for the six weeks of spring training. Tony Clark wants to change all that. I would assume it's a very complex mosaic. How do you make this all come together? I would assume that the minor leagues will vote in favor of unionizing. Then it'll be put up. They'll go to the National Labor Relations Board. And Tony Clark will say we have, they need, I think they need 30% of the employees in the minor leagues to say, let's do this. Then they'll go. NLRB will probably then approve unionization. Mm-hmm. Then Tony Clark will hand out union cards where everybody joins. They have to pay pay a fee to join the union. And then... Major League Players Association will take over the operation financially to help all the minor league players. It's complex. They're, but they're uh, getting paid less than the minimum wage. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable how little they're playing. And now, granted, if you're like a top first, second, third round draft pick, you get the big money and the bonus, and you can kind of ride it out for a few years. But if you, like, you know, you're the in the 29th round, I mean, there's no way. Um, so, yeah, good on these guys for pursuing this. This is a good thing. Uh, there are 2,100 players in Major League Baseball that Tony Clark represents, as you say, one of the most powerful unions there are anywhere. If this is approved, Tony Clark and the Players Association will take over the financial well-being of over 4,800 minor league players. Right on. So step forward. It's not going to happen a week from Monday. It's going to take some time, <laughs> but we will follow this. All right, before we go to football, let's remind everybody about our Fans Forum and how fans who are watching us on live stream can get involved with our Thursday podcasts. Yeah, so the Fan Forum, we do this at the conclusion of the podcast, um, and we take your questions and comments. So if you're on Facebook or on YouTube, just get in that comment section, type out a question, a hot take. What do you What do you have to share with Hacksaw? We'll, we'll take your questions and comments at the end of the show, and it'll be just like the old 690 Days when when we're getting those lines lit, getting the fans engaged in the podcast. Well, the correct phraseology is get off your butt and get online. <laughs> All right, John, here comes football. Well, let's start with the NFL because that's a week away, but very, very busy week in terms of roster cuts, player deals, things of that nature, plus mm-hmm. plus injuries. Where do you want to start? Well, I mean, I'm, I mean honestly, I, I still am struggling a bit with the NFL because I'm, I'm still feel like I'm a scorned lover where my girlfriend ba- abandoned me when the when the Chargers left. And so um, I am starting to re-warm up to the Chargers now. And I, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. So when they're on TV, I'm like watching them and I'm kind of getting hooked again. So now I'm paying attention. But the rosters are volatile right now. I mean, new guys are coming on the team. I mean, what's the latest in the Charger camp? Well, the big story is this This roster looks pretty complete. I think virtually all the starters' jobs were, were linked in, locked down before they ever went to camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chargers have got the great quarterback, Justin Herbert. The Chargers signed six free agents on defense. All of them are probably going to be starters. Defense was their Achilles last season when they wound up going 9-8 and eight and, and missed the playoffs. Uh, Their number one draft pick is Zion Johnson, who has played a ton of snaps in preseason. He looks as good as a rookie right guard as Rashawn Slater looked last year as a starting left tackle when he went to the Pro Bowl. The Chargers roster really looks complete. Now, they just made a last-minute deal after they cut to 53. They decided if they had a chance to find a veteran running back to complement Austin Eckler, they'd get one. They got one. Uh, Sonny Michel, former New England Patriot. Uh, played with the Rams a year ago, uh, was in Miami. A very productive, multi-purpose back. Can run it, can run it tough inside, catches balls out of the backfield. Now, he's had some knee problems. He's not an every-down back, but they're not signing him to be the every-down back because they got Austin Eckler. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got over 3,500 all-purpose yards, catch and run, 
uh, in about four and a half years in the National Football League. He was with the Rams. He got hurt at the end. He was part-time productive. Prior to that, he played for Belichick, and he played a lot. He was a high draft pick out of the University of Georgia. But he brings a lot of experience. And outside of Austin Eckler, they got no experience. They may have athletes at running back, but they don't have a guy that's been to war before. I think this is a good insurance policy acquisition, and he'll be in the package with Austin Eckler uh, to to go with this offense. I I think they're going to be a vibrant football team. I you know last year was nine and eight, and it was kind of a disappointment because they really tailed off at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Got a bunch of really good teams coming in here to play at SoFi Stadium. And I'm like you. I'm really mixed emotionally about this whole thing. <laughs> it's and I, hard. I got a lot of reasons to feel the way I feel. Right. But I know Tom Telesco, and he's a good man and has done, I think, a good job stockpiling talent with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And I root for Justin Herbert, I think. I think that's a breakout star right there. He threw for 5,000. So at the end of the day, I'll say this. You can yell at me or agree with me or sign my memo or ask me to leave. <laughs> I hope Justin Herbert goes 17-0, and but I hope the team owned by Dean Spanos goes 0-17. I don't know how you balance that emotionally, but that's what I feel. Because I side with you about what they did to everybody in San Diego, and I'm sorry. I just can't forgive them. But I do root for the Bolts because I root for that kid quarterback, and they got a lot of good guys on that team. They do. And, and, and you know, the, the season's starting, so, you know, we're going to see how all of this plays out. I mean, the— I saw a graphic online that showed the number of championships won by each of the teams, you know, NFC, excuse me, AFC West championships won by each of the teams. And it's almost dead even. Each of them has won 15. I think one has won 14. So it's a great division. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. One other note, and kind of a sad note, and it's interesting we bring this up. You know, Don Coriel is a finalist for the Hall of Fame. It's still a long shot that he will get into Canton because there's so many other legendary coaches that are on the ballot. But Don Coriel, who won 111 games with the Chargers and did great things at San Diego State when they were small college, is a finalist. Well, one of the guys that was a key assistant coach has passed away, Ernie Zampezi, kind of a unique individual, play caller, offensive coordinator with Coriel, first with the Aztecs back in the day when the Aztecs had all these quarterbacks, and then in the National Football League as, as one of the architects or the trigger men of the Air Coriel era. Dan Fouts, Kellen Winslow, Charlie Joyner, Wes Chandler, Chuck Muncy, James Brooks. How that team never never got to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's it's absolutely amazing. But Zampezi <laughs> has passed away at age 86. And mm-hmm. he did it not just in San Diego with Dan Fouts and all the ingredients that Don Coriel put together. And his whole coaching philosophy was mismatches. Mm. Here I come to the line of scrimmage. What the hell are you going to do about defending what I got? <laughs> And and oh, he was a unique individual, but he did the exact same thing in Dallas with Troy Aikman. Mm-hmm. And he did the exact same thing in Los Angeles with the original Rams and Jim Everett. Made mm. him a 30-touchdown-a-year thrower. Right. And it just wasn't throwing a ball down the field. Prior to that, he introduced the I-formation to college football. Where do you think John McKay and the I-formation at USC came from? That guy. Really? Ernie Zampezi. I really? Mean, he was a brilliant, brilliant X's and O's guy mm-hmm. and unique personality, laid back, did not want to be a head coach, might be the only guy on the face of the planet that did not want to try to be a head coach. He just, he found his way. And and the the guys that have come off Ernie Zampezi and Don Coriel's coaching tree, all offensive whizzes, the Joe Gibbses of the world mm-hmm. and the John Maddens of the world, North Turner, legendary coordinator, creator, mm-hmm. all from the Zampisi tree. So we, we lost a good one at age 86. He did everything he wanted in pro sports, didn't want to be a head coach, was just so gifted. They don't put assistant coaches in the Hall of Fame. This guy would rate consideration if they ever opened a side closet for assistant <laughs> coaches in a league. So we'll see as we as we go to the Super Bowl in January. That's when the final vote will be made mm-hmm. on the 2023 class, mm-hmm. whether Don Coriel gets in. It's it's a tough call on Coriel. It'd be a tough call on this guy. He was a great 
Corey. I mean, these assistant. guys are innovators. They changed the sport. That and now when we have this passing game that is so electric, that's what makes us, you know, fans of the sport because it's mm-hmm. exciting. It's fun to watch. You know, I did a little bit of um, reading up about uh, Ernie Zampezi. Grew up in Santa Barbara. Went and played for the Trojans at, at Southern Cal. And he was just, he's 5'9", 166 pounds, you know, when he was playing at SC. And he set the record for the longest punt in SC history. And it was like 80, what was it, 85 yards against the University of Wisconsin? Maybe he was the first punt god. I don't know. (laughs) But, I mean, this guy's had an incredible career. And you see pictures of him on the sideline, you know, with Troy Aikman. And, you know, Aikman is, is, is this godlike figure. And here's little Ernie Zampezi. But he is the brains behind the whole operation. One side note, Dan Fouts told me, because I asked him at the height of the Air Coriol era, and I I should preface this by saying before I came uh, to San Diego and before I came to Phoenix, I worked in Cleveland, and I worked on the Cleveland Browns network. Mm. And we had a really good team. The Browns, Sam Bertigliano, Brian Sipe, the Aztec, was the quarterback, deep in the playoffs and all that. Mm -hmm. So this, this goes back has to be 1980, maybe, 1981. Opening game of the season, Browns host the Chargers. And everybody in Cleveland was amped. Browns football's huge on the lakefront. Oh, yeah, the dog pound. Uh, It's like a religion. (laughs) Everybody's excited. We got sight back, and we got all these guys, and we're going back to the AFC championship game. They'd been cursed because they had to play Denver a bunch of times and Mm -hmm. couldn't get past Denver. So... I'm walking the sidelines. Here comes San Diego. I thought, oh, this is going to be a fun game because the Browns are pretty good. Dan Fouts came out throwing from the first snap. Final score, I think it was 44-14 Chargers. Really? Smoked the Browns. And every time I looked up, Winslow was running down the middle wide open. Every time I looked up, Charlie Joyner was catching a short route pass. Every Mm -hmm. time I looked up, that was Wes Chandler acrobatic over the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't enough, they had Pete Johnson and they had James Brooks. So that's that's my memory of Zampezi, Coriel, Fouts, etc. Dan told me, because I said at the heyday, they had a five-year run where they led the league in passing Mm -hmm. and offense and they were spectacular. So what was it like to be on the inside? This is before I came here to be the voice of the Chargers. And Dan said, Lee, we would go in there on Monday night for meetings to talk about the game plan. And then we'd come back Tuesday and they would give us the playbook of what we were going to do. And he said, Fouts would just kind of look around that locker room and he said, do you know what we're going to do to these guys next weekend? <laughs> and he did it. I mean, it was phenomenal because yeah. the Chargers couldn't play much defense, and that, that's why they never, ever got to the Super Bowl. But Coriel, Zampezi, Fouts, artistry. What a, a great time it was. Now, speaking of football, opening weekend, college football yes. here and a bunch of other places. Uh, let's talk about San Diego State. I mean, I'm I'm fired up. I mean, the the stadium is is opening up. It's a real jewel here in town. I mean, it's going to be hotter than hell out there in Mission Valley this weekend. But you know, you got a, you got a Power Five team coming in in Arizona. You know, not one of the best ones, but hey, it's they're legit. They're a Pac-12 team. We've we've got you know some new personnel with the Aztecs. I think we're going to learn a lot about some of these new players. And you know, Brady Hoke runs a first class operation in terms of how that football team performs. I mean, their record over the past four to five years has been outstanding. Right. Let's talk about Brady Hoke, 31-18 and 18 at San Diego State as head coach. How about this? Over this last decade, John, between Brady Hoke and Rocky Long, and the, I don't think the town knows this. I don't think anybody's paying attention to it except me. In that 10-year run of Brady to Rocky back to Brady, their record is 116 and 61. How's that? How good is that? And by the way, that includes a whole pile of wins against teams in the Pac-12 and the Big 12, etc. I mean, mm-hmm. it's what an accomplishment. So that's the springboard as they get to play Arizona. Now, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a battle of the transfer quarterbacks. San Diego State's got one year with this guy. This guy came from the Atlantic Coast Conference. Braxton Burmeister, local kid, started at Oregon, got caught in a coaching change, vacated, went to Vatech, started last year over 3,100 all-purpose yards, throw and run. 
coaching change there, which was a bit of a shocker. He elected to opt out because they were not going to run what he is accomplished at. And finally came home to San Diego State. So he's got one season left. Uh, He's big. He throws it down the field. He's really athletic to move the pocket and scramble and extend plays. Mm -hmm. San Diego State will look to him to be what they've not had in a long time. They have not had legitimacy throwing the football down the field. Now, granted, maybe they have not needed it because they've had all these backs, the Rashad Pennies of Mm -hmm. the world and the Greg Bells, and prior to that, Donnell Pumphrey. Uh, So this will be fun. San Diego State returns a ton defensively. they got nine veterans back who are starters. Now, Braxton may be scrambling a little bit here because they got three young pups in the offensive front. Mm. they got to replace three veteran starters. He's got wide receivers led by Jesse Matthews, who have a ton of experience and really grew last year. Going to be fun. And, of course, they do play defense. Uh, their whole philosophy at San Diego State is, here's our package. I'm going to look into the eyes of the quarterback. What the hell are you going to do against our package? Because <laughs> their calling card is yeah. pressure, quarterback mm-hmm. sacks, mm-hmm. tackles for losses, mm-hmm. and takeaways. That's Brady Oak's DNA. Right. So this will be fun. And, of course, we obviously got the opening of Snapdragon Stadium, which is kind of be cool. But uh, it'll be interesting against Arizona because they went through a miserable season, 1-11. and they're 1-23 in the last two years, but they have a new coach, Jed Frisch, who came out of mm-hmm. the National Football League. He dove into the transfer portal, and he's got 20 transfers, wow. too. Uh, he got a quarterback from Washington State that's really good, Jaden Delora, who started with, as a freshman for the Cougars last season, mm. threw for over 2,300 yards. He is going to be the starter. So. I think the Aztecs are walking into the great unknown here. I'm not sure that they have enough video as to what Delora runs and what Arizona might become with a new quarterback. Arizona's also got a huge transfer wide receiver who came from UTEP, caught a ton of balls last season. They got like three Division One transfer running backs, including one from Florida State. So it, it'll be fun to watch the battle of the transfer portal <laughs> Braxton Burmeister against Jaden Delora. And, of course, the new, the shiny new stadium, hot weather notwithstanding. So it'll be fun. Challenging, though, for San Diego State because, you know, John, they open with Arizona. Week two, they play a non-conference game against 1AA Idaho State. Week three, they go to Utah. Utah mm-hmm. ranked inside the top ten. Top ten, wow. Utah, elite Pac-10 team. So... San Diego State, if they can win this first game, that really helps them because going to Utah in week three is going to be huge and tough. And their schedule is colorful, but their schedule on the road is rugged. They got to go to Boise. They got to go to Fresno. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a couple other road games that are really, really tough at SDS. But I'm excited about Burmeister. I mean, because he is the local guy, that's terrific. You know, local boy comes home. But he, like you say, he's a legit passer. He's um, got a big arm, but everything I'm reading about this guy is that he is fast. I mean, he's one of the top sprinters on the team. Um, now, I will admit that I was kind of rooting for the kid, Will Haskell, originally. You know, I guess he's going to be the backup QB. But there was so much promise with that with that player. I mean, he must have been disappointed when they recruited Burmeister. Well, I think he had the reality and he knew you got to earn your playing time. Mm-hmm. And he had a cameo appearance here and there last year as the third or fourth quarterback. He was okay. But understand this, though. He's got four years of eligibility. Mm. So, I mean, he's he will be the starter next season unless there's some injury issue here because Burmeister is a graduate student and he's one and done. Mm. So Haskell's got three guaranteed and maybe a fourth if he gets on the field this season. So that bears watching. All right, so from San Diego State, the guys in Los Angeles are starting their season two. And this is... Boy, there's some storylines coming out of the Pac-10 involving those guys that you want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the head coach there is Lincoln Riley, no relation. Um, but, uh, you know, SC has that storied history. They've, they've been, you know, they haven't been nearly as dominant as they've been, you know, in years past. But now you get this new head coach who's, who's something of a celebrity, oh, you know? Rock I mean, star. Yeah, total rock star. You know, my son is a student at the University of Oklahoma. And so we, we know all about Lincoln Riley. And we've gone to games there, you know, to, see, to watch the Sooners. Um, he's, an, he's a very impressive coach. I think he's going to make some big uh, changes at USC. 55 and 10 at Oklahoma. 
That's mm-hmm. not bad. No. Uh, rebuilt that program. So he comes into USC, inherits the cupboard that's kind of bare, and he dove into that transfer portal. 20 transfers. Wow. Including starting quarterback Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. Uh, and he's he's got three years left. I don't know if he stays all three. Starting running back, Travis Dye, came from the University of Oregon, over 1,300 yards rushing last year in a conference for the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Top wide receiver, Jordan Addison, 110 receptions, University of Pittsburgh last year. He's here. Wow. And a ton, ton of defensive players, linebackers, defensive linemen, a couple of offensive linemen, one out of the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's pretty good. So it's right there in front of them. Now, they were not picked to finish in the top three in the Pac-10 in the preseason Skyriders poll. They're going to have to prove themselves. Their schedule gives them a huge break right out of the gate. And they don't really play many tough conference games till they get to the end of the season. At the end of the season, USC has to play – I'm trying to get, read my handwriting here uh, just off the top of my head. They have to play Utah, UCLA, and Notre Dame back-to-back-to-back to back to back right at the end of the season. Wow. But at that point in time, they could be 9-0 and or should be 9-0 and unless there's some type of significant injury issue at, at quarterback. So – it's going to be fun to see what he does. He's making a lot of money. The boosters are going crazy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the cloud in the background is this whole move to the Big Ten Conference. It, I think, leaves a lot of bad taste in people's mouths. But Trojan fans here, there, and everywhere, they're going crazy. Now, the other guys cross town, I'll let you express an opinion about what UCLA football has become. I mean, yeah, UCLA is – I mean – it's interesting because there is all the drama going on with this potential move to the Big 12 um, or excuse me, to the Big 10. Um, but Chip Kelly is is the head coach at UCLA. I mean, how many teams has he been the head coach for in college football, in the NFL? This guy's been around a lot, keeps getting opportunities. Um, but UCLA is still they were they had a winning record last year, but it wasn't that great. I was really disappointed because I thought the minute they hired Chip Kelly, I said this will be the reinvention of what he did at Oregon, and it didn't work out that way. He didn't recruit the same type of kid. He ran a very different offense. They had quarterback issues. He ran off a lot of players. He's cut from a different cloth from a personality standpoint. You know, when we think of coaches in the Pac-10, obviously the name that flashes at you, neon lights, is Pete Carroll and his persona. Mm. This guy is a recluse. This guy doesn't care about anything except Bruins football. And by the way, Bruins football has not been very good mm. the last group of years. He's had only one winning season. I think his record is 18-25 and 25 in Westwood, which is not very good. No, now, not at all. That being said, uh, he's got a fourth-year starting quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's a very competitive kid, has kind of grown through the program. He's got a huge running back from the University of Michigan as part of the transfer package, Zach Charbonnet. Uh, but he's he's lost offensive linemen. He's had injuries. He's had guys had to retire because of health issues. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. They are playing a really substandard rank schedule out of the gate. UCLA opens with Bowling Green, <laughs> bottom, bottom feeder in the Mid-American Conference. Right. Their second game is against a 1AA team from the SWAC Conference, Alabama State. Oh, man. The third game is South Alabama. That's not much much of a, a schedule. That's gonna, a cupcake schedule, you, right? Yeah. You'll go 3-0, and but will we know how good you really are? And no. why? Why are you bringing these teams into the Rose Bowl? To, I mean, you have payday games? You're not going to sell tickets to that. People don't want to see Bowling Green. Right. So, I mean, if you look at the opening weekend of the schedule, there's some big games on that schedule. Later in the season, after they get their three cupcake wins, uh, UCLA is, is going to wind up playing some tougher people. They do get Utah. They do get Washington. They do get Oregon at the end of the year, although a couple of those games are going to be in the Rose Bowl. So they, they could have a, a pretty good season till they get towards the tail end of the schedule, but... Your UCLA play some quality people. Yeah, I mean, we goodness. expect something from UCLA, especially you know when USC is such a you know storied history. You, UCLA has sort of been right there with them. They've been their little sister to a degree, but UCLA has a brand. They have stature. Um, they should be 
you know, one of the top, maybe not a top 10 team like Utah, but definitely top 20, top 30 kind of a program. Should not be playing Alabama State no, and those not people at all. In, in a non-conference game. All right, before we move on, uh, we're going to talk basketball next. Remind the people who are watching our Thursday podcast where they can join us and get involved. All right. So, you know, this is a live stream. Hacksaw and I are just live. It's like live television, but we're on the Internet. That means you can be on the Internet with us. We'll take your comments, your calls, your questions. Just type them in on YouTube or on Facebook. Um, Those comments will appear on our screen. We'll see them here and you can engage. Have a maybe have an important question for Hacksaw. Let us know. The fans forum will be at the conclusion. All right, let's talk basketball for just a minute. Um, Blockbuster trade on Thursday afternoon. Utah traded Donovan Mitchell away, which wipes out the potential of a big Lakers trade. Lakers, however, are involved in other talks involving that guy, Russell Westbrook. Donovan Mitchell went to the Cleveland Cavaliers, which shocked everybody Mm because it had been perceived that Utah was working a three-way deal with the Lakers and the Knicks that might involve Westbrook and involve a lot of draft picks. Well, instead, Donovan Mitchell wound up going uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers in a nine-player-and-pick trade. Involved a ton of first-round draft picks winding up in Utah. So that that was a bit of a shocker. Now, let's talk about the Lakers because these rumors will not go away that they're trying to move Russell Westbrook still. Now, it might not be to Utah, Maybe it's still to the New York Knicks, although I'm not sure that the Knicks want to take on the $47 million contract that he's got the final year of the deal. Mm -hmm. What we keep hearing is now they're talking again to the Indiana Pacers about a deal that might bring them shooting guard Buddy Heald, center Miles Turner. The Lakers would have to give up Westbrook's contract, and Indiana's got cap space to do that, but the Lakers would have to give up two number one draft picks, the only two <laughs> picks they have yeah. in the in, in later in this decade to make this deal happen. Uh, I'm led to believe that the Lakers have just philosophically decided, John, we're all in. We're going to try to win a title right now with LeBron James headed to the twilight of his career and with Anthony Davis, and we won't worry about not having any number one picks. If they make this trade, they won't have a number one pick till 2030 Whoa. because of all the past deals that they have made. Wow! So this, this bears watching to see if, if they can get Westbrook off the books and give him salary cap space. Uh, if, if they can't, then they keep him and hope that this new coach, Darvin Ham, can make him back into the kind of player he was when he was with Oklahoma City, when he was a dynamic player. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not been a complete player in the last couple of years. And last season with the Lakers was miserable. So keep an eye on, on the potential of a three-way trade or maybe a Laker-Indiana trade to move Russell Westbrook to get some other player, younger players in here. It's kind of like Russell Westbrook is Eric Hosmer, you know? They've got the big contract. The team's trying to unload him. They think they've got an opportunity to make a run for a championship. There's a lot of parallels. But it just seems like Westbrook is... I mean, he it doesn't seem to have it anymore. You know, he, he seems to have lost his mojo. So can he regain it, change the scenery? We'll see. Going to be interesting. Of course, last week the Lakers acquired Patrick Beverly, an in-your-face defender at guard. Love that. He, he and Westbrook don't get along. They got a real bad history. <laughs> Beverly's not going to be a difference maker in terms of you know averaging 21 points per game like Westbrook could mm-hmm. with his explosiveness. But Beverly will bring, I think, some real responsibility in that locker room, and I think he'll definitely bring feistiness uh, defensively. Mm. Okay, from the NBA. Let's go to golf. I I talked about this a week ago, and it's finally happened. Cam Smith, British Open star, has left. He has gone to the Saudi Super League. He's gone to the LIV. Six guys jumped this week. Six. Now, now that the PGA Tour is over, six different guys have decided to go. Now, Cam Smith was a number two guy on the money list this season and obviously won the British Open. Uh, a lot of people upset at Cam Smith. He said it was all about money. It was all about lifestyle. And it was all about the challenge. Uh, he is going to tee off Friday in Boston. The next LIV tournament mm-hmm. will be the, at the International in Boston. The Mickelsons and the Dustin Johnsons of the world will play there. So so he has gone out the door at the last minute. Uh, it's, it's another setback for uh, PGA Golf. Joaquin um, 
Neiman, a young guy, has had some success first half of this season, is part of the group that also left. There are now a total of 34 guys who have jumped the PGA Tour to go to the Saudi Super so League. So what happened to Tiger Woods' players-only meeting? I well, mean, they were trying to keep him together, but I guess some guys already had one foot out the door. I think Smith had already emotionally committed to go, mm-hmm. may have even signed the contract to go. He's going to be suspended effective tomorrow on Friday, the minute he hits the first tee shot at, at Boston. Uh, but the PGA, I think, is unified. I think the PGA is throwing a ton of money uh, into the pot now for all these players to share. I mean, they're doing some real creative financial things. But as I said last Thursday on our podcast, John, where was all this money three years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago when guys like Greg Norman and more recently Phil Mickelson were saying you need to do a better job financially with all these players? Now, all of a sudden, this money has shown up, which to me means there was some validity to what Mickelson was saying about these guys hoarding all the gold and not sharing it with the stars on the pro tour. Right. And it's just like, you know, the like the Tony Clark situation with minor league baseball. You know, the the money is not being properly shared across, you know, the entire spectrum of, of talent, the players that are in the league. Okay, let's go from that and let's talk soccer. Now we talked about the English Premier League and I'll tell you what, this has been a wild week in the EPL. Uh today Thursday is the final day of the transfer window where teams can make deals to get players. And there is a big deal that's just been made out of Chelsea. Now, we talked about Chelsea, legendary team in the English Premier League, which is the team that Christian Pulisic plays. Mm -hmm. He can't get off the bench as a starter. He only played 10 minutes in his game this past weekend, which is absolutely amazing why the coach is doing this to Pulisic, who's just a bright young star from the USA. However, Chelsea just made a deal uh, on Thursday to sign Pierre Aubameyang. He's a goal scorer with FC Barcelona. Mm. He played in the Premier League, went abroad, got hurt, is coming back uh, in a, a trade. And you don't see trades. They're normally huge financial transfer deals. But Aubameyang has, has taken his physical, has passed it, and is going to be on the, on the pitch for Chelsea. Now, keep in mind there's some other issues here involving uh, players. There, were, there was a number of things that happened off the field this week that became really public, and it's very much a surprise. Obamayang was a victim of a house robbery. He was, he was tied up, suffered a broken jaw. Armed robbers came into his home in Barcelona and stole cash and jewels. In addition, one of his teammates, Robert Lewandowski, great Polish star, he plays for FC Barcelona. His SUV, while at practice, was broken into, and they stole $70,000 in cash and jewelry from Lewandowski's SUV. It really is. And on top of all that, former EPL player Paul Pogba, a former star at Manchester United, Mm -hmm. he's playing abroad. His brother and a gang of people tried to extort $13 million from Pogba in the offseason in an extortion deal. French officials, French police, um, broke up the ring, have arrested and indicted his brother and his gang of 23 guys that Jeez. were terrorizing athletes and entertainers that lived in Paris. Just an amazing story. So we got... All this stuff is going on in the English Premier League as the season is just a couple weeks weeks underway. But uh, the transfer portal closed tonight, London time, and Obamayang is the last big one that was moved. And Christian Pulisic is staying at Chelsea. He's not happy at all, but he'll be coming back home to get ready to, to go with Team USA to Qatar for the mm-hmm. World Cup in November. Yeah, the World Cup's going to be great. Yep. I mean, it was this was four years ago or actually five years ago, right, was such a disappointment when the USA team didn't even qualify for yep. the World Cup. I mean, that was awful. But, yeah, the Premier League is getting started. Um, you know, we were, my family, we were very fortunate. We actually went to a game um, last year at Etihad Stadium and saw Man City uh, play Leicester. And what a thrill that was. I mean, just being in that stadium. Um, so I'm hooked on Premier League soccer. You and I might be... One of the few guys who get up at 4.30 in the morning to watch (laughs) EPL soccer. Side story, I took a vacation to Europe, and I was in England going to Scotland. 
and we stopped at a hotel in a place called Norwich City, which is northwest of London on the way to Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. It's a brand new hotel right next to a brand new stadium. And I said, that's Norwich City's stadium. So I told my wife after we got checked in, I said, I'm going to go downstairs and walk around the periphery of the stadium and see if I can get in. Well, the yeah. stadium was all locked up. It was on a Thursday. So I walked into the main offices, and there's a security guard there. <laughs> and I introduced myself. I said, mm-hmm. I'm a working member of the media. I'm from the United States. I showed the guy my Padres pass. <laughs> and I said, I've never been inside uh, a, a stadium, a soccer stadium. He said, could I go up and take a look? He said, well, it's closed and locked. I said, hey, just give me five minutes. Mm-hmm. So he says, here, I'll open the elevator door. Go up right level, on level five. So I go up level five. Door opens. I'm in the BBC booth that they broadcast. Oh, perfect globally. Yeah, and I'm looking at this place, and that soccer field is beautiful. I mean, oh, it's yeah. all green grass yeah. and it's colored and laid out. Yeah, it's got the logos, etc. So I'm in, I'm beside my son, taking all these pictures. This is pretty cool. So I come back downstairs. And the guard said, do you like it? I said, yeah. I said, I did NFL football for a long time. So I've been in all these big events and (laughs) Super Bowl and, you know, the the Rose Bowl. So this is so neat to see the stadium. He said, because I watch EPL soccer back in San Diego. He said, you want to go on the field? I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) Do kids like Christmas? Yeah. (laughs) So he says, come with me. And there there was nobody in the offices. So opens a side door. We go to walk. He turns on the light, walks down the tunnel past where the dressing rooms are, and they have the logos in neon lights of all 20 English Premier League teams in the tunnel. Nice. So I walked out onto the pitch, and I took some pictures. I mean, it was was like walking on the greens at the Masters at Augusta. That's the quality of the field. Yeah, for sure. So I, I finish up. I thank the gentleman, and I come back to the hotel, and restaurants and the pubs are going crazy right there in Norwich City. Mm. They're playing Chelsea the next <laughs> night. And this is when Chelsea is one of the elite yeah, teams yeah. in the EPL. Yeah. And I go in the pub and just kind of stand in the back. And these Chelsea fans, they are drinking and howling and singing songs and <laughs> yeah, insulting the songs everybody. Are amazing. It's four yeah. o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. This is going to go on all night. Excellent. It was so cool. I didn't get a chance to see the game because I didn't have tickets. The game was sold out. and We had to leave the next morning because we're mm-hmm. making our way to Scotland. But that's my English Premier League story. But EPL, it's elite. It's so much fun to watch. And that's why I love the World Cup. And I'm sure we got soccer viewers. But that's why I love the World Cup because it is the creme de la creme mm-hmm. of all the great global players playing for their flag Yes. So neat. Yeah. So neat. It's a great it's a great event. I mean it's it's a world event. You know, we 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 talk about the you know the World Series for baseball, which is kind of a farce. The World Cup is legit. And uh it's great to see, you know, some of these countries that we don't know a whole lot about. And sometimes they'll make a run, you know, and and, and make it into the brackets, maybe into the quarters or semis. I mean it's a thrilling event and it brings people together in a special way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's like the Olympics playing for your flag. And oh, there's, yeah. There's a specialness, despite all the scandals, there's a specialness about whether it's the Winter Olympics or whether it's the Summer Olympics and track <laughs> and field and the marathon and, and all that. All right, that's what we've talked about today on Hacksaw's Headlines. Have we got people that want to be part of our fans forum, John? Well, I mean, you still have an opportunity to jump in. Uh, we're, we'll be happy to take your questions and comments on the fans forum. Uh, but, you know, right now, Lee, we're kind of waiting for them to kind of pile in. OK, let's just start here. Reggie asked the question, if the Padres don't make the playoffs, is A.J. Preller's job in jeopardy? And John Riley, Padre fan, says? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think, I, I mean, Preller's made a lot of bold moves, right? But he's... He's made a lot of the right moves, I think. And like, like even this season, making that move for Soto, um, that was the right decision to make at the time. In fact, I can go back and look at a lot of the trades that have happened over the last four to five years. And at the time, they, they were the right deal. 
I honestly believe that a lot of them just haven't worked out. So is that Preller's fault? Well, he's got to take the blame. But no, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think Seidler is supportive of him. Um, so I think uh, I think he's going to be safe. Question from Jonathan asking a question about National Football League. Which of the teams in the AFC West do you think is going to win this division race? Because everybody's got quarterbacks now. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's interesting because, yeah, Russell Wilson's over with Denver, right? Um, we still got Derek Carr with the, with the Raiders. And, you know, I grew up. You know, a, a Niner fan and a Raider fan back in the day when they had Stabler and Bolitnikoff and Branch. And, and I still have a soft spot for the Raiders. I still root for them, even though I was a Charger fan for so long. Uh, but I mean, you've got to go, like you say, you got to go with the kid quarterback. I mean, he looks like he's going to be the real deal. And Garrison asked the question about the NBA What's to become of the Lakers? Once there is no LeBron James and all they have is an often prone injured Anthony Davis, what happens to Laker basketball? And if you add in what we talked about, they might not have any number one picks going forward. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with them? I mean, what do you think, Lee? Tell us one man's opinion on the Lakers. They're headed towards an abyss. I, I, I would not trade my other two number ones. I would let this run its course. And if they can make... Westbrook, a better teammate with LeBron and with AD, then I think there's a, a chance that they could be an NBA championship team. They're going to get cap space when LeBron retires in a couple of years. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. They'll get cap space when Westbrook's contract comes off the books at the end of this coming season. I would just keep the number one picks and try to win with what you have. At least you'll have some resources cap space and number ones mm-hmm. that you're going to need because I as much as they might win this year and next year I'll tell you the, the couple of years after that going into the mid 2020s I think are going to be horrific because they're going to have to rebuild and have to rebuild with they got nothing there that's the big issue mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's it's uh to your point I mean I think they can't completely unload all of their their resources because if they do and it goes south, then they're a dead franchise for a decade. And you think the Sacramento Kings have been bad? What yeah. do you think the Lakers would be like without LeBron mm-hmm. with an oft-injured AD and no number one picks at all? And <laughs> who's going to be the magnet that's going to draw any free agents there? That's mm-hmm. that's a sidebar question. Well, Lee, we got a question. We had a couple of questions here that are coming in. Um, this is from, from Mark. With Sonny Michelle signed, how will the Chargers use their backfield? Well, Michelle gives you toughness up inside. He might even be a tougher runner uh, than than uh, Austin Eckler up inside tackle to tackle. Can catch the ball. Uh, they're they're going to throw the ball to their backs as they have the last couple of years. But this will be a veteran guy. I mean, the fact that he won that job in New England, and he had three and a half really good years till he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Sonny Michelle will probably be fairly productive uh, for the Chargers in his role. Now, if something mm-hmm. ever happens to Eckler, then the running game is not going to be what the running game needs to be mm-hmm. around that cute quarterback, Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Well, we got another comment from Mark here chiming in. About talking about Pac-12 realignment, I mean that's we haven't really gotten too deep into that. Uh, but that's always a great topic. What are the chances that San Diego State can move to either the Pac-12 or the Big Twelve? I don't think that San Diego brings a lot to the party, and that's the big issue. I think item one is that the Pac-10 has to make sure, has to get a commitment under this new TV contract they're negotiating, that Oregon and Washington will stay and that Arizona and Arizona State are going to stay. If, if they can lock down those 10 commitments, mm-hmm. then they, they could go out and look to see if there's an 11th or 12th coming. I think, now it's not going to happen this week because there's still two more years to go. I still think there's going to be a middle-of-the-night raid on the Big 12 Conference. I think the Pac-10 mm-hmm. is going to try to lure Oklahoma State to come become the 11th member. The 12th member might be San Diego State, it, but I don't think that the Aztecs bring a lot. Uh, might it be somebody from Texas? Might they go back and steal somebody else and bring them, whether it's Texas Christian, it's got a really good football program, or somebody else? So. But, I mean, the, the Aztecs bring Southern California. If the Bruins and the Trojans leave, then the, you know, the Pac-12 can still have that recruiting ground here in Southern California. I mean, how many Heisman Trophy winners have come out of San Diego? Um, but, uh, 
you know, and then besides that, I mean, the, the, the basketball program can smoke every one of those Pac-12 teams. Yeah. So uh, I, I'd like to see that San Diego State in the Pac-12 or opposite. Maybe they go to the Big 12. I don't know. That's a lot of travel. And I mean, are you going to get excited about going to Iowa State in the middle of winter to play a game in football <laughs> or in basketball? I, I, don't, I don't think the Big 12 is as recognizable now as the Pac-10 still could be, as long as mm. they can keep these charter schools uh, in place. Hey, listen, we thank you for joining us. We're here every Thursday. We also do special podcasts with late-breaking stories. We invite you also, check my website. It's all written. It's like my talk show, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And we'll invite you to tweet, text, and email all your friends and introduce them to our podcast. You can get on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, and on Twitter. John, have yourself a great sports week. We'll yak at you next Thursday. Right on, Lee. Thank you for being with us. Have yourself a great time. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.